Yo, it's your man Chris Mallon, and you're listening to Heart of the Game. Today, we have one of the most talented marketing professionals I've ever had the privilege of meeting. She's been a star in the NBA with the Philadelphia 76ers, as well as PGD Global, and currently appears on Mina's House podcast. She's worked closely with NBA superstars Allen Iverson, Dr. J, Charles Barkley, and many more. She's fought to overcome the adversities and challenges of being an African-American woman in a male-dominated industry, and as a person, she has one of the biggest hearts of anyone you'll ever meet. Shayna Booker, thank you for being on the show today. No problem, no problem. Thank you for having me. So Shayna, you worked for the Philadelphia 76ers for a number of years in their marketing department, which is awesome. I know a lot of people out there, their dream is to work in sports. What was your motivation and how did you get started with working in sports? You know, honestly, I, my background is when I went to high school, I played the cello. I went to creative and performing arts. And as I started getting to, you know, that age where you're defining what do you want to do? What do you want to do with the rest of your life? As much as I love music, I knew that I did not want to be, um, you know, in an orchestra or a professional um, in terms of my music. So I started just thinking about the things that I really liked. And I, I got to a crossroads where I was torn between fashion and sports. So my first year of school, I went to Parsons School of Design, primarily just because I got, was able to get in. I couldn't really afford it at all. But, you know, it's one of the top design schools in the world. So I was like, I have to go. I got in. Um, but really through that journey and just being there and missing and knowing what I felt about sports, I, I decided that it w- I was going to come back home, finish school, and really focus on sports. I'll never forget, I was at a game. My mom had given me tickets to a Sixers game because I loved basketball at the time and loved Allen Iverson. And we're sitting up, you know, in the mezzanine. And I looked at her and I said, uh, I'm going to be one of those people. I don't know what these people are doing. They ain't running around, but I'll be one of these people one day. You know, to me, what is so cool about that, and we'll talk more about this later, is that eventually you did end up working closely with Allen Iverson. Yeah, that had yeah. to be a really cool moment for you when you're like, wow, I, I actually went from being the me- watching in the mezzanine to, you know, I did it. Here I am. I'm one of these people working, right. working down here. I honestly have so many like cool, random Sixer stories that I didn't realize later in life. When I was 18 and my sister had my oldest niece young and she we saw a commercial and she said, I'm going to go to Disney. And it was one of those contests, like send your name in on a postcard and you may win. So I get a letter in the mail and it says, you're one of the finalists. We want you to come to a Sixers game and, and you know, be one of the 10 finalists. So of course, in true Shana fashion, I was late. Um, so when I get there, <laughs> they said, what is your name? And I said, Shana Booker. And they looked at me and they said, well, you won. So I wound up winning this trip where, you know, we went to Disney, they paid for all of that. And then we got to see the Sixers play Orlando. Um, so Later, years later, one of our community relations directors, uh, Brie Cassidy, she's going through photos and she comes over and she's like, Shana, is, did you win something before? And I'm like, yeah, what a trip. And she's like, world, pick your name out. And you know, World Be Free, obviously, is a former Sixers and a Sixers yeah. community relations ambassador. And by this point, World is like a second father to me. And we looked at this and I'm like, that? is amazing like and i never realized that he never realized that i had been working for the team at this point six years 
before we we came across this photo. That's almost like serendipity right there. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's really cool. You know what? So for those of you that that don't know, listening to the podcast, I used to work with the Philadelphia 76ers and Shana was my boss at the Sixers. Uh, And to me, I've heard a lot of Shana's stories about working in sports and I've always really enjoyed them. Um, This is one I had never heard. So (laughs) (laughs) it's cool to hear this. I never knew that you you went to Disney, you won, and the yes. world picked out your name. That's the awesome. world picked out my name. <laughs> I still have the photo. I had to save it after that. I'm like, I have to save it. This is just, you know, like you said, it's just too serendipitous. So was there, okay, so you had the, the moment when you were at a Sixers game and you were looking at the court and you were like, you know what, I'm going to be one of those people that's working with the team. Mm-hmm. And then from there, like, how did you get the job with the Sixers? Did Did you... Did you apply online or did you meet somebody in networking or, or what happened? Take us through that. It was a, it was a bit of a journey. Um, once I decided that basketball in particular and sports was an industry that I wanted to be in, I really just started researching everything. So I started volunteering at Atlantic 10 tournaments, um, you know, which Again, you know how basketball teams in college are broken up by different divisions. So I would pay my own way to go down to Atlantic City, volunteer to work this tournament. I was volunteering for NBA All-Star Games. Of course, luckily, we had one in Philadelphia, but there was another one in Washington, D.C. You know, my mom came with me. I paid for a hotel room. And at that point, just understanding the sports industry and knowing how important it was to network, I just really knew that it was important for me to make that investment in myself. Um, I remember going to a program in New York that was like a three-day, three-day workshop for, you know, people that were interested in the sports industry. And I met a lot of people there. That workshop is not necessarily the reason I got my job. But when I was with the Sixers, I knew so many people from that workshop that were working at the league office. And, you know, so then we had this synergy because we had already been through this process together. Um, But yeah, I kept volunteering and people, I took credit, no credits, because I was over my amount of internship credits just to be able to get the experience. So when I first applied and knew that I could apply for the Sixers, because of course, there are qualifications, which I don't know. I mean, I've been out of school for almost 20 years now. They definitely could have changed. But at that point, you had to be a junior or senior to be able to get an internship. So I applied in my junior year. And they tell me, you know, all the spots are full, which is totally understandable. At this point, this was the year the Sixers were going to the finals. So they're good. Like, they're really good. Um, so, it, you know, all the applications had, had closed up. But they said, but we have this opportunity with the Philadelphia Phantoms. Being in Philly all my life, I know who the Flyers are. I obviously have been exposed to baseball, went to a lot of baseball games growing up. My uncle loved baseball. My cousin's name is Nolan Ryan. Football was my mom's love, so I, you know, I bleed green, but I had never had a strong interest in hockey. I really didn't know anything. I didn't know any hockey team outside the Flyers, maybe like the Boston Bruins, just because I've seen their stuff, but I, I, I didn't know. So I definitely didn't know who the Philadelphia Phantoms were, and they were the minor league team to the Flyers at the time. So I said, you know what, why not? It's going to give me experience. At the time, they were all owned under the same ownership. So I took that chance. And it honestly was so good. And even when I talk to kids that are interested in the industry, I always tell them, you know, go for those ones that aren't always the 
super attractive ones with all the bells and whistles. Because since they were such a, a small operation in a minor league hockey team, uh, as an intern, I was able to do a lot of stuff that once I became a marketing coordinator with the Sixers, I was doing. But I did these things already as an intern because their operations are, 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 are smaller, their budgets are tight. And ironically, um, my boss at the time was Brian Papson, who went on to work for the San Antonio Spurs and is now with the Philadelphia Eagles. So, you know, we also try to keep in contact as much as we can and as much as I'm not like begging him for tickets and getting on his getting on his nerves, but you know, and that's just why like that relationship and the networking is so important. Um, so then that next year came and again, I already had enough internship credits. I didn't need any more credits, but I applied like very early for the Sixers internship. I'm like, I have to get this. I'm going to get this. I also find out later I interned, I, I interviewed with the PR department and game operations. Um, with I will never forget with Donna Katzman and Kathy Drysdale and I found out later when I was working there that there was actually a fight over me over who was going to take me because they both liked me Damn. but I, Kathy won that 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 fight and if anybody knows Kathy Kathy's Kathy's like six two so definitely she would have won that fight <laughs> um, so I worked with her in game operations as an intern and luckily for me there was a position to be a game night operations person. Um, where I was able to stay on and do that after my internship in that spring of 2003. And so now, you know, college is winding down. I'm about to graduate. I'm looking for jobs in sports. Many of them are like sales position with the Milwaukee Bucks or, uh, you know, again, a sales position in San Antonio. Not really wanting to move, but so far from home, but also knowing that I might have to, to take this opportunity to be able to be it with the sports team you know, I was looking everywhere. And then Patty Butler came to me and said, hey, listen, uh, Laura Price, who at the time was one of only two women in the NBA to have a position as high as she did. And that's out of all 30 teams. Um, Laura is looking for an assistant. You know, maybe you can interview. We know you want to do marketing. You want to do this stuff, but it'll be a foot in the door. And I interviewed with Laura. I was already familiar with her having now have been with the team for you know, almost 10 months between my internship and working game nights. And Laura explained it to me. And she told me a lot about her story, just being a woman in sports and what it took for her to get to that position. And she definitely told me, we will promote you as soon as we are able to. But yes, this is about getting your foot in the door. So I came on to be her administrative assistant. I got hired the week of my college graduation. I was hired. So I was one of the only graduates knowing, like, I actually have a job that I'm about to start. But again, and you know, and I don't know if many of the listeners know, working in sports and when you take those first jobs, it's not that glamorous and you don't get paid a lot. So I had come from working in retail. I was kind of crazy when I was in college and I was wearing many hats and working in retail and working at Nordstrom and we made, worked off commission. I made a lot of money, like a good amount of money. But, and I had an opportunity to grow within Nordstrom, but it really came down to me deciding you know, if I wanted to stay in retail, again, my love of fashion and knowing that eventually where they had me on the track, I could be a store manager and make a lot of money. And it was something that I knew very well or really take this avenue of sports. And I took at, at the time was literally, and I was a college kid, not saving my money, which is ridiculous. So I hate it now, but I literally took a $25,000 pay cut to take that job as an administrative assistant with the Sixers, but yeah. it's the best thing that I've ever done in my life. And I would do it again if I had the chance. And, yeah, you, you know, know, and I tell people that like that experience with Laura and her being over, 
business operations, it helped me in my position as a marketing coordinator because she oversaw every business operation there was, whether it was finance, the box office, community relations. So I was able to start relationships with a lot of those different people in the departments. Yeah, you know, you, you brought up a good point there. And it's one that I, ne- I didn't learn in college when I was in undergrad, which is, hey, you want to work in sports, you're not going to get paid a lot of money. <laughs> you know, and when I got my first job in sports too, my first job, so I started out as an intern with the Washington Wizards. And at the time, uh, they, it, internships were not paid. I believe now yeah. they pay them. Now I think they're paid. Yeah, yeah, we not, were not paid. No, we were not paid. <laughs> we got the short end of the Oh, thing. man. Yeah. <laughs> and then my first job after that, I went to NC State University. I worked in the athletics department. And my first paycheck, I was calling mom and dad. I was yes. like, I'm going to yes. need some help. <laughs> I was living off of rice and hot dogs and macaroni and cheese for like a year. It was yeah. brutal. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's hard. But again, you know, with you, we just decide if it's worth the sacrifice. And, you know, for both of us, it really was. So, yeah. but it's yeah. hard. It is definitely, I try to tell people that. And again, I know pay skills have changed because, you know, the cost of living has changed, but I don't know anyone that starting out is going to get paid a lot at any sports team. And again, a lot of people do have to take that position of a sales rep or every or, or something to get in. Um, so, you know. Yeah. So, you know, that was one thing I was always told, too, was, hey, if you want to work in sports, you got to start out in sales. I didn't. I know that you I didn't. didn't yep. But it's, it's what we were told. And mm-hmm. I, I, I personally don't know many people that have gone from working in sales to jump over to marketing or, or another position. Um, have you? I, I can't. Yeah, ironically, there's a few people with the Sixers. One that just jumps out my head because I'm so super proud of him uh, is Paul Beckles. Who oh, you yeah, know, Paul, and you know, Paul, Paul Beckles. Went on, yep. Yeah, he made that transition. He really loves basketball and teaching basketball a lot. So he made the transition from sales to working for our Sixers camps, which again, every team doesn't have that. So he was kind of lucky that we had that and, and was really able to build a lot of relationships. And then he transitioned that into sponsorship. And that was kind of his aha moment because it parlayed into all of these different opportunities for him. And now he's with Converse and he's like the global marketing director. Yeah, I saw something incredible. on LinkedIn. I'm like, Paul, what is going on? I'm I know. Uh, I I saw that too when he got that job. I I messaged him right away and looked. I was like, "Wow, this is a, this is amazing!" Man. <laughs> yeah, Congratulations. But to your point, there are not many of those Paul Beckles. You know, it is hard. It's hard to sometimes break the mold and get the next opportunity. You know, once they see it on your resume. But if you are with a team that'll support you and help you grow, you know, it just all depends. And every team is made up different. And you know, we know, and I've gone through, I went through two ownership changes, a lot of GM and president changes, but every ownership is different. So it just always depends on where those opportunities are going to lie. Like right now for the Sixers, you know, where, and again, where Paul was lucky, well, I don't want to say lucky because I'm not trying to say and diminish any of his ability or skills, but when he was in the sales department, our sales department had how many people you think? I don't know, like seven it, or 10. Yeah, it was, it was a small sales department. Yeah. Yeah. So he had the opportunity to move you know, easily. A lot of us knew him, knew his personality to another uh, department where now, you know, they have a hundred salespeople. So there's just no way that there's going to be a hundred opportunities at the team. There are going to be some, and there are going to be some at other teams that they can recommend you to, but it's not going to be a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. So Shana, you know, obviously working under you, 
I was always really inspired by a lot of the things that you did and the things that you had to overcome. Uh, so for our listeners, obviously you can't tell because it's a podcast, but you can tell by Shana's voice that she's a woman, but she happens to be an African-American woman. And I've always been so impressed with her that she's had to overcome a lot of different challenges to get where she is in her career. Uh, so Shana, could you please talk a little bit about some of the challenges that you faced? Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of, uh, it, it was, and I don't know, I can't speak really to the industry per se. We know what's happening in our world. You know, a double-edged sword, just being a woman and being an African-American woman. I think being a woman in sports, again, there's always a challenge where it's the unspoken rule and we can be raw and real in this podcast that there's always a worry and a fear if this person is coming in because they really want to work hard at the team or they're coming in because they want to be a part of the team in other ways, you know, and be, <laughs> and, and be, and be with the players. So you already have that. And then you already have, you know, a bunch of men already working in this field and, and it's just gaining that respect and gaining the equal pay. You know, that's something that mm -hmm. I can honestly be upfront about. There was one time where I found out that one of my counterparts who did the same thing as me was getting paid more. And as soon as I found out it was corrected, but I don't know if it would have been corrected if I had not found out, um, you know, and there were these things and, and they still exist now that, you know, well, men are head of household. I'm like, okay, well, some of the, we're not married. We're all single, you know, yeah. but again, in, in a lot of industries that still exists. It is still out there where your male counterpart is going to get more than you because he's a male. Um, you know, and, and again, also earning the respect of players because again, and they're exposed to a lot of different things and a lot of different women who are not in the field for the right reason. So it's also, you have to gain that respect from them and let them know, listen, I'm here to work with you, um, make our team and your brand and all these things seamless and really, really that, I mean, that to me was just one of the, one of the easier, I think because of my personality, but one of the hard things too that there's no rule book on how you earn the respect of other men in your field and, and of your players and, and your coaches and everything on the team. It's just something that has to be done. It's ironic too, because it, with me, I always became very much and not on purpose, just friends of the, a lot of the family members. And for some of the players, that's really where the trust grew because they're very weary. Again, there's some people that just want to come around just to hang around. So they're very weary of who they let in. But when they know that, okay, this person and that person trusts and respects them too, it makes it a little easier. And then on top of that, you know, being an African-American woman in the field is hard. Um, you know, just wanting, wanting, one of the things that I always made sure that I did was going out and speaking to groups and especially groups that had African-American women and letting them know that you can do this, you can be here too, you can achieve and succeed even more than I have. You know, this is something that we talked about before and it, I, it, I'm not saying that obviously it was anything on purpose, but at one point at the Sixers, I think we had and we counted, there were three of us um, that were African-American women's between the business operations and basketball operations within the whole team. Um, and at that point, you know, there were a few hundred or at least over a hundred employees. Mm -hmm. You know, that landscape has very, very much changed and, and diversified. And again, just with, um, and it's no offense against the old ownership, but with the new ownership coming in and kind of building out the team a bit more, there is more, there are more positions and more access and availability um, for people to grow. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I can't even overstate that enough how when I looked at that one day and realized that, 
you know, I was getting recognized in the city and, you know, I don't want to say they're not for my own achievements because I believe they were, but that was part of the reason why I was getting recognized because there weren't too many Shayna Bookers at the Phillies or the Eagles or these other teams. And again, it's no knock on any of the teams. It's, it weren't too many Shaynas in a lot of position, mm-hmm. you know, just being a woman at these teams. So, you know, it's just always something that was really, really in the back of my mind is wanting to make other women proud and definitely other African-American women proud and wanting to pave the way and open the doors a little bit more for, you know, those coming behind my, coming behind me. And you always inspired me with that because I know that's something that you are always very proud uh, about about how hard you've worked to get where you were. And it was very noticeable to me uh, for our listeners. Uh, I'm a white man. Uh, so my, my boss being an African-American woman, I looked up to her and I looked at what she was doing and I was incredibly moved by all of the hard work that she put in. And every day I spent so many days seeing Shane every day for like four years working for an NBA basketball team. You can't get away from each other. So, right. um, <laughs> spent a lot of time together. Oh yeah. So <laughs> Shana, I was always impressed, right? She mentioned how she became close with a lot of the families and I could see that and I could see how the players trusted her and I could see how the moms of the players trusted her and she knew all these people and the alumni and the alumni knew her by first name and she called them on a you know first name basis too and, and she had that close relationship and that just doesn't develop overnight you just don't get given that so she worked really 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 hard to get that which to me coming in i was incredibly impressed with and i, I was you know saying that's always been something you know kudos to you all the I hard really work that you've done that. to get there um yeah i appreciate that so thank you for sharing that with us and I've always loved hearing some of your stories. So would you mind sharing with us some of the coolest projects that you've ever worked on? Because I know there's a lot of them. There's, a, there's quite a few. There's quite a few. And some of them even include, um, you know, some of the internal things that we did, like with our employees and having our fun, fun, fun committee at one point and trying to make sure, because as you mentioned, that's the one thing is working in sports, you work a lot of hours. You are with people for, I mean, again, you know, we, we used to laugh about it, the family factor. You're with them more than when you're with your family. And I know that's true in most industries. But again, you figure on a game day, you're coming in at 8, 9 o'clock. Game doesn't start till 7. Let it not go into overtime. Now you're at work from, <laughs> you might have left your house at 7 a.m. And you're not leaving at the parking lot until midnight. And guess what? We got to come back tomorrow because we have an event with our community relations team at six. So, you know, there's a lot of hours and time that you're spending with each other. Um, So, and and with that, you know, you're seeing these families and these players a lot. I was fortunate. I would sometimes say unfortunate that again, when I came to the team, it was a small operation. There was only one person in the marketing department, Jen Davenport. Um, So there was only so much she could do. So I was able to help her with a lot of projects. So at the time it was, you know, focus on the marketing, but you have to focus on these events. And then when it started, our coach at this point was coach Maurice Cheeks, who was also a former player of the team. And no one had been doing um, the alumni relations for a few years. Joe Masters, who had left, had been handling that. And, and it kind of fell off. And it was something, especially for our alumni. And I always just feel very proud of that because it is a storied franchise 
no matter if we haven't won since I was two. It's still a very much storied franchise. But it is the Sixers. I mean, they (laughs) are one of the proudest franchises in the NBA. I love the Sixers. Period. And and that's the thing is, and just how we feel proud having worked there, these alumni and, and the players, they feel very proud having played there. And it is important to them that they have a connection with the team. And at that point, nobody did. Uh, so I'll never forget me and Coach Sheik's like literally mailing letters, me stalking players and addresses and trying to call people at the NBA to find out, you know, where this guy that played 20 games is because we want to get in contact with them. So a lot of that kind of built up uh, the alumni side. One of my favorite stories that I, I like to tell is Charles Barkley, who I love to death. Um, so I was sending him all these letters. Of course, he's in all the alumni and we're sending letters. We're sending letters signed by Coach Sheik's. We're sending letters signed by me. We're sending letters, sending letters. And one day I'm out in Philadelphia and I see Charles. And at this point, I probably have sent about five letters. And I walk up and I say, hi, I'm Shayna. And I can't even finish. And he goes, Shayna Booker from the Sixers. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. He was like, girl, I get all your letters. And I'm like, okay, you just didn't want to answer me? He's like, no, but I read them all. And that's like one of the things I've learned about him over the years. And Mike Goings who is a, a very close friend and is now handling the alumni. I remember we had a conversation and I was like, oh, just send him a text. He definitely will read it. And he's just going to answer it whenever he gets to it. But he reads everything he gets. But that just was like the funniest thing ever because I stood there and like, okay, wait a minute. He knows my whole name. He knows everything. And he told me he got every letter. He just didn't answer. I was like, okay. But, you know, and that was like the start of our relationship and just having that communication and me understanding that he can communicates a little bit different and that are that's just things like with all these guys and their different personalities knowing how to not push too much and when to pull back and you know to be cognizant of how they are you know again Moses Malone was one you know may he rest in peace that was one that definitely communicated differently than a lot of the guys I would call Moses hey Moses hello okay (laughs) no and but I didn't understand that his way of communicating, although sometimes was short, then I would get around Moses and Moses would talk like more than me, which is very hard to do. But again, just understanding how he, his laws were and how he communicates and just being, you know, cognizant of that where then, you know, you meet someone like Julius and Julius from day one has just been like another father to me. And, you know, he's always very, when people meet him, he's just definitely very gracious and he's very kind. I always laugh, even when he's telling someone no, he tells them in such a way that I think the person feels bad because he's so, oh like, that's God. just how gracious and kind he is in his demeanors and his words. Um, you know, I will never forget one time we were, they were closing the spectrum and this kid comes over with a jersey and Julia signs the jersey, of course, no problem. And we're standing there, we're about to do another media interview. And then this kid comes back with the jersey. So, so Julius says, he's like, didn't I just sign it? And we're all thinking like, yeah, I just saw this kid. And he says, yeah, but my dad told me to come back and get another one. And so he said, okay, well, you know, I can't tell your dad this because he sent you. But tell your dad when someone get, does one favor for you, you shouldn't ask for another favor right away. And the kid was like, oh, okay. But it was like, it was so nice because, of course, he's not going to be mean to this kid whose yeah. dad is like, Slapping him out here to get stuff signed by Julius. But again, I always just tell people that like he's very gracious and kind, even when he doesn't have to be sometimes. He just is. And you know, he's just someone that I thank him so much just for being in my corner and, you know, always kind of being there for me. 
you know, in, in, in a lot of times people get caught in. And again, I know if you don't know him, you're like, oh my God, it's Julius Irving. I, one of the first times that we even ever really bonded was outside of the game. He came into town. I can't remember what it was for. Our practice facility was at Pecom on City Avenue and our then equipment manager, who I love and definitely rest his soul, Jeff Millman, had known all of these guys and, you know, was very familiar with all the guys and what they do. And, you know, Jeff had been a ball boy at the, during the 82-83 team. So their relationships go, span years and years. And so we're there, and Julius maybe has to do media. Or I don't know what he has to do, but there's, like, maybe an hour and a half. Jeff comes up, gives him some gear, and he's like, well, you guys want to go to lunch? So we're like, yeah, sure, okay, we'll go to lunch. And he goes, okay, let's just go to the cafeteria. And we, like, sit there in Pecom's cafeteria, which, for your listeners, Pecom is a school. It's a school for doctors and nurses. So there's doctors and nurses in this cafeteria, and it's me, Julius, and Jeff Millman sitting there and eating soup and, you know, grilled cheeses or whatever the case may be. But that was, like, one of my first real experiences with them that, again, I think I was in awe, like, you get in awe of these guys. Yeah. Regular guys. Yeah. You know, we didn't go to a fancy lunch at Chops. We went to Pecom (laughs) Cafeteria. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Episode 1 of Shayna Booker's Heart of the Game interview. And be sure to check out episode two, where Shayna goes more into detail about working with NBA superstars and her experiences of working in professional sports. Also, be sure to hit that follow button to check out all of the new episodes as soon as they are released.